Well, hello there, fans, and welcome back to the Lit and Lucid podcast series. Today, we wrap up season two with a little science from Dodd at Vera Wellness. We're going to cover how Vera came to be and how their approach could very well be the future of cannabis. Their unique approach hasn't been without a few hurdles, though, so we're going to hear about some of the startup struggles Vera has faced and also about their expansion into new markets. We also briefly touch on the biology behind chronic pain and how cannabis is a match made in heaven for our endocannabinoid receptors. As always, we appreciate each and every one of our listeners and hope you've enjoyed the guests we've had on throughout the show and in season two. Be sure to tune into the next episode, episode 30, the state of the podcast address, where we will cover some interesting things we've learned so far in our journey and where the podcast will be heading next in season three. So stay tuned, stay lit, and stay educated fans. Here's your show. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are recording the final episode of season two with Dot Cola Giovanni with Vera Wellness. Hi, Dot. Hi there. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks. Nice to be here. So yeah, we are recording live from Westminster, Colorado at the new Vera Wellness headquarters. Vera Wellness specializes in scientifically formulated products to provide accurate doses, improve bioavailability, and optimize cannabinoid profiles. The product line offers fast-acting, consistent results through discrete modes of administration. They specialize in nasal mists, topical salves, and sublingual sprays. They're also focused on targeting the modern day consumer, people like your mom and elderly people, those looking for you know, a more discreet mode of cannabis consumption rather than just sparking a joint. So we're looking forward to learning more about Vera Wellness and I think Dot's gonna explain to us a little bit more about her background and how she got started in the cannabis industry. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So I um, have a PhD in toxicology and I worked in the biotech sector in Colorado for 20 years at a couple different companies and I developed drugs for antibiotic use, for oncology, for cystic fibrosis, some really powerful indications. Um, But I got to a point where I felt that hedge funds and venture capital were kind of driving the scientific decisions we were making and the science wasn't driving the decision. And I really wanted to do something where I could bring medicines to people more quickly. And so um, in 2014, I started speaking with Mark Rayboyce and Paul Johnson about this company that they were forming with this idea that let's take the skill sets that we developed in pharma and utilize them for the cannabis industry. So we know how to develop drugs. And we thought, you know, the products we were seeing out there, we would have called Gen 1. Right, this was the flower that was out there. Um, people were vaping. It was brownies. It was gummy bears. It was pretty basic stuff. And we thought we can really do better because we know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the impetus um, for us to do this. And my background came in from understanding how to um, bring products to market, how to understand the safety of products. A lot of what I did was the development before products got into clinical trials. So I really wanted to make sure we weren't going to kill anybody in those clinical trials. That was kind of my spot. (laughs) And so um, taking that knowledge and project management to to Next Frontier to help, you know, bring our brand, which is Vera Wellness, to the market. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
So how has that been so far? I mean, um, the pharmaceutical side is not a side that people generally look at when they look at cannabis. They try to put pharmaceutical over over there and cannabis over here. So how's that mm-hmm. been trying to find a happy medium between the two of them? It's a good question. One of the things we've really found is coming from a heavy regulated industry with the FDA, sort of the overall, you know, um, master of what you're doing, we thought we understood heavily regulated industries <laughs> until we got to cannabis and realized this is a whole other level and it's not well defined yet. So what I mean by that is with FDA, across the country there's one set of rules and you know how to play by those rules and you stay in your lane and figure it out. But here, every state you want to go to has a different set of rules and regulations and not only that, they're constantly changing. So I'll give you a great example of this. You know, we brought our products to market. As Lucy mentioned, we have a nasal spray, we have a micromist spray, and we have our topical salves. And we brought these um, and launched them in, last year in Colorado. And shortly after we launched our nasal spray, the Colorado Department of Health had some issues with what they were calling alternative use products mm-hmm. and defining what were intended use products. And so they came up with three categories. This was smokables, so flower and vapes, topicals, so it was dermal products, transdermals, and topical salves, and then it was edible products. If you weren't in one of those three categories and didn't fit in those boxes, they basically said, we'll let you sell through any product you already have in a dispensary, but we will not allow you after July 1st to manufacture these anymore or sell them into a dispensary. So after you've spent many months, a whole lot of money developing a product, they kind of shut that down. And they started a project at that point for these alternative uses. So this included nasal sprays, suppositories, um, injectables, and inhaled products. And they've been working over the last six months to define what is it going to look like if we allow these products. And partly this was because they felt these alternative products were more of a safety risk. Now what that's based upon is really just their um, gut on this and not really any evidence to date to show there's any safety at all with these products because there hadn't been. I mean, we'd been on the market for seven months and had never had any kind of a safety issue at all with our nasal product and it was well received. Um, But it was sort of them pulling back and saying, you know, people are making products that we didn't know were Mm -hmm. even going to be a category, so we need to step back and try to do this the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of typical knee-jerk reaction of the people in charge. Yeah. We don't know about this, so just immediately shut it down. Right. Right. And so, you know, we got kind of burned on that whole thing. And so that's just a perfect example of in an evolving industry, you know, you're trying to keep up. And, there, you know, other players, I'm sure Foria with their suppositories got caught up in this same Mm -hmm. thing. And they had been on the market longer than us even. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And now they have to go back and you have to basically submit an application and say, here's why we think our product is safe. This is how we manufacture it, you know, and meet a bunch of criteria for that. Mm -hmm. And then they have final say whether or not it will be allowed. Oh, so wow. we're not to that point yet. We're not. Hmm. And so you're still will going be, through your yes. current product? Nothing oh, wow. will go um, uh, back on the market until after January 1st. Wow. So I'm sure so. now you guys are definitely probably leveraging that background of you know the pharmaceutical grade and having all that experience with now you, especially, of bringing products to market that are safe for consumers. So how are you leveraging that now to try to 
I guess, persuade or <clears throat> more educate the powers to be to, you know, various effectiveness. So what we need to show them is that we're making the products in a way that keeps them sterile and that we've done some testing for ingredients that might not have been used before in a nasal product. So we have to do additional studies over and above the intended categories. So there's a lot more expense with these kind of products. And so I think people need to weigh developing these um, because of the cost benefit. You know, if you're going to have a niche product, like a nasal spray is not a product every single person is going to use, Mm -hmm. but it's a great product if you get migraine headaches Mm -hmm. and a great product for hangover relief. We've just had so much great feedback from people for those two areas in particular. But if you don't have a product that's going to be selling, you know, in every store and killing it, you might decide, am I going to innovate in Colorado? Is this really the state to be bringing these products? And I really feel one of the drawbacks to this is it's going to stifle innovation in our state. And so other states that don't have these restrictions they might have the innovation and we will be left behind. Mm-hmm. And even though we were first, mm-hmm. we might not be yeah, first. Not, yeah. So yeah, maybe explain to the consumers the other markets that you're gonna be entering in soon. Yeah, so we're really excited because we're gonna be launching in Colorado, uh, sorry, in California um, by the beginning of November. Cool. So we've been working over the past year to um, uh, work with a partner, which is BAS Research and they're in Berkeley, and we're working with them as our manufacturing partner. And then we're lining up our distribution right now because the model in California is you have to have a manufacturer who is separate and licensed from a licensed distributor. They can have both licenses, but many of them are separate. Mm -hmm. And the way that their system differs from ours is the manufacturer doesn't do any of the testing that's required. Mm -hmm. It's the distributor that does that, so it adds another layer to your whole process of getting okay. things, you know, into the dispensaries. So where do you guys <clears throat> come into play then? Do you guys work, obviously you probably have to work with the both of them. Yes. How does that work from your, your perspective? So what we've been doing over the last six months is working to train the manufacturing facility on our process. So we can ship our base formulations across state lines because they don't, contain any cannabinoids Mm -hmm. so we ship them those and then at their facility they add the cannabinoids we've gone there with our SOPs which are the procedures Mm -hmm. on how to manufacture these things and worked with their staff to show them this is how you do it and then we have to work with the testing lab because we've developed the methods for analysis Mm -hmm. so we could take a step back here you know Colorado has been working on our testing facility methods for four years So it took a long time to get those methods to work well. And all of a sudden, California got dumped in July with all of a sudden now, no one had been testing their products previously. And all of a sudden now, you've got many manufacturers that are saying, we need to get in the queue to get these tested, but we don't know how to test a salve that you make versus a salve that somebody else makes because the formulations differ. And so these are the kind of things that you have to work with them hand in hand to explain to them the correct method and hopefully you have the staff in-house that knows how to develop those methods otherwise you're kind of relying on them to figure it out yeah it's a scary thing yeah Yeah, and and what you're seeing right now is what they're calling they're relabeling everything because their testing criteria differs from Colorado in that we have a 15% variance here so you can be high or low 15% from what your label claim is there it's 10% if you're over the 10% in California, you basically fail. Hmm. You cannot relabel. 
Mm. If you're under the 10%, you must then relabel, but you can sell it. So if you were saying there was 100 milligrams in there, but they tested and there's only, you know, 81 milligrams, you have to, you have to label it as such. So that adds another label layer that the distributor has to work through. Yeah. So, you know, we're figuring all this stuff out, but it takes a while to kind of yeah. put all the pieces in place. And each market's different. Yeah, everyone's different. That's crazy. <laughs> and every single state has their own rules, um, even down to there's no universal symbol for cannabis on the packaging. So you so can't you, just produce one box that's going to work in every state. You cannot. You have to have unique packaging for each state because not only the symbol changes, but the warning label changes, wow. as well as what's required on the primary device and on the box. Holy cow. So until we have you know, federal legality and we can kind of work through that, um, we have to have individual packaging for each state. Wow. So you can imagine- <laughs> The organization. The time, the organization, yeah. the cost, all that stuff. Yeah. In yeah. all these markets. In all these markets. It's a lot of hoops to jump through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging, which is yeah. also kind of exciting if, once you start figuring it out. And, you know, we work with some great people that are helping us do this, but it takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool. That, I mean, you guys have done it the right way. Um, you guys are pr- approaching it from the correct method. To, uh, you guys want to do this right from the start. And so now yeah. you guys are through all the you know, trials and tribulations. You guys are still sticking out because would, you're dedicated. I wouldn't say to, through. I would say yeah. we're in it right in now. It still, yeah. yeah, you're right. Still in it. But you're still sticking with it, though. And yeah. you still have the end goal in mind. So that's cool. So no matter what, I mean, you can look back and realize that you guys have definitely like carved out a niche for yourself and other people to follow through. One of the things we really thought about when we were developing our brand and our tagline, which is derived from truth. Um, Vera, the name kind of comes from the French of truth. We really wanted people to know that, you know, we want to do it in a transparent way. We want to do it correctly so that our customers feel that the product that they're getting is safe, it's reliable, it's consistent every time they use our product. Mm -hmm. We really want to stand behind that. So we feel like when I said there was Cannabis Gen 1.0, we are Cannabis Gen 2.0. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we want to be the products out there that you can look at this product. A lot of them look like pharmaceutical yeah, you won't even products. Know. You can put it in your toiletry yeah. bag and it looks like anything else. It doesn't necessarily look like a cannabis product. And I think that surprises a lot of people. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's been working so successfully, like with the moms. Right, because that's such a discreet way for you them to consume, and you don't have these other, you know, all these concerns. Oh, my child's gonna see me smoking a joint. They can easily just put it under the tongue or take a nasal spray and be done with it. I like to say it's mommy's little helper. Right. <laughs> so you know, I don't know if you guys have kids, but I have kids, and there was a point probably when they were under ten years old where I wish we had these products at that time <laughs> because. It would have been great to go into the bathroom in the medicine cabinet and you have your spray and you're like, I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to... Just like a second. (laughs) I'll just take one spray, which is one milligram or two milligrams, depending on which product you're using, and just enough to like, I'm going to take the edge off right now. And I've talked to so many parents, it's so funny, that use it for that reason. And they're not smoking a joint. They don't want to have, you know, smoke in their house. They don't want to do that. So it's a much more discreet way for them to consume. Absolutely. And I really like the way you feel from it. So we've got to use the nasal sprays for our yoga classes as well. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny. Um, we actually had Liana from Sensi um, and her uh, her boyfriend. And I looked over and we're doing yoga and everybody's in a headstand. 
And like nobody <laughs> ever does a headstand in cannabis yoga because like right. we're smoking, we're pretty high. Yeah. And everybody's in a headstand. And I think it was because of the way, you know, it's being admitted to your, it stays here more mm. in your head. It's a heady high, it's isn't great. it? It's yeah. great. Yeah. But it's a controlled heady high. Yep. It's Very not overwhelming. Controlled. No. Mm-hmm. So that's amazing. I like think it's like microdose too. So you're much more in control of your high. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. We talk to people who are new to consuming, um, whether they're young, old. I mean, I, I go through it all the time still. Um, that I'll smoke a joint or eat an edible or something. And it's like, wow, I didn't really want to feel this. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of like ruins the whole experience leading up to that, to like the intended effect. So there is much like if you want a two and a half milligrams, which to some people could be a lot. Other people, that's like, that's nothing doesn't matter. You can build up to whatever you need. Absolutely. Our rec products um, have very low milligrams to start with. Our medical products are much stronger, obviously, for the medical patients. Mm -hmm. But we did it that way intentionally because we felt one of the areas that was underserved was the ability for naive, you know, cannabis consumers and the elderly consumer, baby boomer consumer, um, to start low, you know, go slow. I've had so many 70 plus people tell me how much they love our products. They use it for sleep now. I mean, whether it's the high CBD or the one-to-one ratio we have, they're telling me, you know, I haven't slept in a decade and now I'm sleeping, which feels so amazing to get that feedback from people. And you know they're not taking prescription pills and they're They're taking natural. I, I had, it's funny, my high school English teacher I gave her some of our product, and it's our high CBD, so low THC product. And she had been seeing sleep therapists for decades. She said nothing would work for her. And she's using her product, and she's like, I'm hoarding it. I'm not giving it to anybody else. I'm not sharing because it's helping me get the sleep that she needs. That's amazing. Which feels incredible. And that's that's what you're doing it for. Exactly. Stories like that. I mean, honestly, I left biotech because I wanted to be able to help people, and it feels so good when you get that feedback from Mm -hmm. people that this is really changing my life. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for people, I feel that... um, you know, they're unsure about cannabis. There's a lot of people now that are reading about CBD. They're seeing, you know, cannabis across the country, and they think, oh, all these stoners, and there's still that stigma, and we really are working to, to get rid of that stigma to say it's part of a healthy lifestyle. It's part of a wellness plan for you. Mm-hmm. You know, what you need to keep yourself well. Yeah. We want to be a part of that. Absolutely. So I think this might be a good time to transition. I think you'll be speaking at the next Elementa event on October 25th. Yes. So if any listeners are in Denver, definitely check out Elementa. It's a women's only group, but they talk about various health and wellness issues in regards to cannabis. So you'll be speaking about chronic pain. I'm really excited about mm-hmm. this. I haven't spoken at Elementa before, and I love being able to um, you know, speak to a group of women. No, you know, nothing yeah. there, but I oh, think it's, fine, yeah. it's a good opportunity. It's a different vibe when it's just women at an event, um, and it gives us an opportunity to kind of talk about how to use our products managing pain. There's all different kinds of chronic pain. It can be nerve pain. It can be fibromyalgia. It can be, you know, an injury that you sustained. It can be cancer pain. We can kind of talk about the different kinds of pain there are and how the products can help you manage your pain. So I'm excited about that. You know, there's people that, you know, we know there's a lot of people that don't like having any psychoactivity. So our products, like our topicals, there is no psychoactivity associated with those, but there's really good benefit to mm-hmm. um, pain management. Yeah, muscle pain, yeah. Muscle pain, mm-hmm. you know, we've had people tell me, 
I have had plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. I've had, you know, chronic back pain, chronic neck pain, and it just really helps manage pain. And we think that athletes are another big group that we can help with manage their pain from, you know, chronic use of all their muscles and overuse. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, I mean, this we've been uh, we went to a new gym this week, and I decided to get back in the gym after. Geez, it's been we counted 28 months since I've been in the gym. <laughs> Good um, for you. Yeah. yeah. So it was great. But then I woke up this morning sore. I couldn't hardly move my arms. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make it to the day. Yeah. Well, then first thing I did was wake up, went downstairs and uh, got some lotion that had THC, CBD in it, rubbed mm-hmm. it on. And that at least uh, got me through the morning where I can move my arms around yeah. and kind of function. So Right. And I, I think understanding oh. how cannabinoids can benefit you for that muscle pain really goes back to what's in the skin and the receptors in the skin that really get activated when you give them these endogenous and well your endogenous you know endocannabinoids help you with that but these exogenous cannabinoids too the phytocannabinoids so so we had a so we had a listener reach out to us actually this week and um she was listening to one of our episodes with uh with uh, tristan Watkins from lucid mood and Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit we talked about the science and she wanted us to dive a little bit more into chronic pain and, and kind of more how to you know, how does cannabis actually work, I guess, and more so to explain people who are not familiar with cannabis working for chronic pain to mm-hmm. kind of help show them that, hey, it's a legitimate thing. It's not just people out here smoking weed trying to get rid of pain. It's actually, it works, and here's why it works. What's the biology behind yeah. that? And I don't know how much Tristan went into that, but did he discuss the endocannabinoid system at all? He did, yeah, and we kind of stayed more on like a neuroscience side of things. Mm. Um, yeah, that's sort of his sweet spot, so yeah. that makes sense he would talk there. So... If we can talk beyond the brain with the endocannabinoid system, you know, your body is designed for wellness and balance. And often, for whatever reason, whether it's your career, where you live, not enough sleep, not good nutrition, um, your endocannabinoid system gets out of whack. And I think of that system as maintaining homeostasis. That's what it's there to do. And what we do when we take THC and CBD is help balance that system out. How does that work? Well, in your body, there are substances such as anandamide and 2-AG that are made on response. So when you need those, they can, for example, let's say you fall and you crack your head and you're going to get an immediate pain response. Well, you're going to start manufacturing those endocannabinoids right away. Those cannabinoids, if you think about them like a key, will go into a lock in a specific area of your body. So that key and lock, when they come together, are what give you a response and help to drive the benefits, the pain relief, the anti-inflammatory benefits, the anti-anxiety benefits. All those things are where those receptors are located in your body. So there's a large amount in your skin there's a large amount in your brain, and there's a large amount in your gut. Hmm. And we're realizing a lot of the gut diseases we have relate to deficiencies in endocannabinoids. Hmm. And one of the best ones right now we're recognizing is THCA. So people that have chronic inflammatory bowel disease and these kind of conditions, they're getting benefit from whether it's juicing the plant, you know, not at all smoking the plant. You're trying to get the raw plant so if you have your own um, grow, where you're growing your own plants, that's one of the things you can think about if you have a lot of these inflammatory gut conditions. Even mm. better than CBD. Wow. Huh. 
So, so THCA is the uh, it's the precursor to, to Delta 9 THC. That's which right. Gets it's you the high. acid form. The acid yeah, form. So it doesn't have a psychoactivity right. component to it. Cool. That's amazing. Um, and and also from like a little bit of my experience, the inflammation is the biggest part of pain that I know of. Mm-hmm. Um, inflammation causes uh, obviously like a swells and it puts downward pressures on nerves and those nerve signals will fire back to the brain saying, hey, you know, this mm-hmm. is cut off. You have pain, things like that. Right. And I think cannabis really helps with inflammation in multiple parts of the body. And the inflammation is the main thing that it can alleviate the inflammation for um, injuries, for illnesses, um, soreness, things like that. Yeah, we've found from, so one of the things that's not well characterized yet is I hear from people, what is the ideal ratio that I should be taking? We have found from the data that's available to date that a one-to-one ratio of CBD to THC manifests the best pain relief. Now, why is that? So as I talked about this key and the lock kind of setup. One of the things that CBD will do is it will alter the structure of THC in binding into the receptor. And when that happens, it sort of takes away a little bit of the psychoactivity piece. Mm -hmm. It also impacts how you break down anandamide, so your natural endocannabinoids. It helps keep more of that around for longer, Hmm. which kind of helps with that pain relief and the anti-inflammatory piece. Hmm. So we think for pain, you should really stick with a one-to-one if you're going to be taking, you know, any of the products. And if you want to take a, you know, a flower product, one of the strains, like an ACDC strain Mm -hmm. that has a pretty high ratio of CBD to THC is probably best for pain relief. And it's unfortunate that 90% of the strains in the dispensaries are right. not high CBD or yeah. I mean, we've bred them, right, for their THC yeah, potency. Yeah. And so when you breed a strain to have 30% THC, what was there before? You've removed a lot of the other components of that plant that might have been benefit beneficial. And we didn't really talk about... Um, synergy between these you know one of the things people like to talk about is the entourage effect and the benefit between those and i really think the the data are strong for cbd and thc to work together we don't know about the relationship between all the terpenes and sort of what is the ideal ratio for all of those Mm -hmm. so we don't like to over promise and say you know all of these things are what you need because we just don't know yet but we do know cbd and thc together really provide a lot of benefit yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and there is actually, I know there's scientific studies done on that out there at universities, so mm-hmm. we'll try to dig some of those up. I think I still have some we can throw up on our website or something. Um, very valid science behind that. So. Yeah, I mean, we really want to follow the science, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we over, you know, overstate the benefits when we really haven't understood yeah. the science. And the leader in all of this right now is Israel. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> They're doing great research. They're doing real science there, trying to understand. I mean, really, that's where it all started, yeah. right? Oh, and when we go back to Mishulam, he Mishulam. started this all. And I, the grandpa, all of us, mm-hmm. um, he's really, and his lab continues still to do great research to look at all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. So is now kind of taking some on the shoulder, push that yeah. forward now. And mm-hmm. um, it really, Israel has definitely pushed the way. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that they get a lot of support from the government to do the work, mm-hmm. whereas the U.S. has really hamstrung us to, to do that because of all the restrictions they've put on it. Right. So we're going to be left behind on that by other countries. And I think Canada is another one now that they're nationalizing it. They're going to be able to do a lot there across mm-hmm. the country, and we can't. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we just seen, I think it was Canopy Growth, just import the first marijuana to the U.S. from Canada. Right. How ironic is that? Right. University mm-hmm. of San Diego. Yeah. Um, so you can already see that I think the U.S. is now kind of lagging behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean we have to stop there. We just go back to wherever the information sources are, and Canada is real it is. So. Mm-hmm. Well... I'm glad we have products like Vera Wellness, you know, pushing the limits and kind of bringing us forward to Cannabis 2.0, as you would say. Uh, So anything cool and exciting, other things going on that you want to tell the listeners about Vera, anything you guys are doing this month in Denver? Yeah, so we like to, you know, do our part to give back to the community. And one exciting thing in conjunction this month with Breast Cancer Awareness Month is the Pink Foundation. And we have some friends that work and help out in the tattoo world. Mm -hmm. So there's a really cool event that goes on in Boulder and Denver in October, whereby they work with mastectomy patients that are scarred, and they're beautified with tattooing on their breast tissue. And it's super exciting, and I think it really changes the self-esteem of these women. And so we provided our topical salves to the patients and to the tattoo artists because they work with their hands so much and they are in a lot of, you know, overuse syndrome. So we're providing products to them this month. And then the other event that we're working with is um, one of our employees, uh, Rosalie Flores, is working on a project um, for justice for individuals who have been incarcerated due to cannabis-related crimes. And trying to get those, um, if we can't totally get them you know, removed from the records, trying to get them in some way um, uh, you know, taken out. It, it's tricky in Colorado. They can't com- completely remove, the, remove it from the records, but not to be that black spot, spot right. on them. Mm-hmm. So these individuals can move forward, vote, have jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and not have this... When cannabis is legal, it shouldn't be on their records anymore. Yeah, and the Lynn Lucid podcast is also helping with Rosalie and her efforts with that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah, we're going to offer some business-type services, hopefully. Yeah, and I should say it's October 27th, 27th, which is a Saturday in Aurora, where they're going to hold that. Yeah. And we have that on our website. We've got some information about that. Yeah, we'll put some information up as well, because it's definitely a good cause to be following. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I know that they're doing it across other states as well, so Mm -hmm. um, I know Adam's organization is... uh, was it cagefreecannabis.com? Um, we can link that. So if you guys are out in California, I know they do have National Expungement Week is next week, I think. So maybe there's an Tying event near that. you. Thank uh, you. Expungement was the word I was trying to come, yeah. come to. Thank you. So there's, yes. if you're in any other cities, I know we have listeners in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Oregon, Portland, Washington. Uh, just go to probably look up National Expungement Week, find mm-hmm. out if there's something close to you guys. We'll also post some stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's a great, great effort. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Doc, for talking to us today. It was great to have you guys come and visit us. It was a pleasure to talk about Vera and what we're doing here. We appreciate it. Everybody check out Vera online. If you're in a legal state and have access to Vera Wellness, definitely check out their products. I know it might seem a little odd. You're like, oh, I came in for, you know, cannabis flower and I'm leaving with nasal spray. (laughs) But I promise you, it's definitely an amazing product and super effective. Absolutely. Yeah. And be on the lookout as, you know, Vera continues to expand the science and um, be on the lookout for them to be the industry leaders in that area. And I really kind of laud your efforts so far and hope you guys continue to push the boundary on on what you guys are doing and and kind of uh, to bring legitimacy to uh, cannabis and cannabis science. Thanks so much. Appreciate having you on. All right. And with that, I'm lit. 
I'm Lucid. And that's it. Laters. This episode of Lit and Lucid Podcast is produced in partnership with YooHoo Creative and Design. YooHoo Creative specializes in marketing, social media management, content creation, and other creative needs. YooHoo, helping your company become who you need to be. If you're interested in learning more, hit us up at yoohooCreative at gmail.com.